Welcome to River City 360 views and news from around Winnipeg. My name is Nolan Bicknell. With me as always is my co-host Robert Zirk. On today's show, our coverage of the Winnipeg Foundation's annual celebration event that took place at the Royal Aviation Museum of Western Canada, and we'll hear from the CEO of the museum, Helen Halliday, as well as the CEO of the Winnipeg Foundation, Rick Frost. And we'll learn about the Rob Nash Project and how through music and stories, he's sharing positive messages and hope with youth who are going through difficult times. We'll also share a promising project from the community grants team at the Winnipeg Foundation. And finally, Noah Ehrenberg will join us in studio to tell us about community news commons and a few of the wonderful citizen journalists that are writing stories that are important to our very own communities. We've got all this, some great tunes, and much, much more on a brand new episode of River City 360. Good morning and welcome to River City 360. Nolan and Robert here with you this morning. Robert, how was your time off? How was your holidays? Well, this is our first episode of 2017. We're back. Yes. Back in black. Well, technically not our first episode, but it is the first episode of our new season. Well, right. I mean, it's season three. We're, we're going to we're gonna consider this the kickoff show, I think. This Absolutely. is 2017. Done right. Fresh new show, new content, new interviews, new stories, new views and news. Same hosts. All of the above. Same beautiful, wonderful hosts. Absolutely. How was your holidays? It was uh, It was excellent. It was great to have a little bit of downtime, uh, spend some time with family and friends. So it was wonderful. How about you? Uh, same thing. I was a little under the weather for a while of it. So kind of unfortunate. I couldn't play my annual hockey game. But, uh, you know, sometimes things just don't work out how you want them to. But I had a wonderful holiday. Uh, I got to spend a lot of time with family. And uh, got to really just enjoy my hometown of Russell, Manitoba. Shout out, Russell, Manitoba. Where's your hometown? Uh, shout out to Selkirk. There you go. Love the Catfish Kirk. capital of uh, Canada, Ooh, Manitoba, wow. the world. That's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Have you ever gone uh, noodling where you put your whole arm in? I've, I seen that, I've seen that on TV. I can't say that I'm much of a fisherman. No, me no. neither. Oh, well. But good to know that the Kirk is the captain of... Uh, wait. Capital. Capital. There you go. <laughs> Good to know that the Kirk is the capital of Canada for, for something. I don't know what Russell's the capital of anything for. We had a good couple good hockey players come out of there, but mm. that's about it. Birthplace so, of Nolan Bicknell. Well, there you go. That's all you really need to get yourself on the map. Well, today's show, we've got a whole bunch of very interesting conversations. We're going to be joined in studio coming up right away in about five minutes by uh, Rick Frost. He's a good good friend of the show. He's the CEO of the Winnipeg Foundation, and uh, the foundation recently released their 2016 annual report, and Rick's going to tell us about what the report said, what the highlights were from the report, and what the numbers mean for uh, our listeners and for Winnipeg. But uh, before, it's very, very good. Yeah, it's, it's very, very good. News. It's impressive news. You know, it's it's kind of crazy the amount of uh, of uh, of support that the foundation helps out with here in Winnipeg. I didn't really realize the the scope of everything until you kind of see the numbers laid out there and, and how many how many uh, gifts were made to the foundation. We'll we'll tell you all about that right after our first musical break. But first, we're going to play the best is yet to come by Matt Dusk right here on River City 360. Out of the tree of life, I picked me a plum You came along and everything started to hum Still 
it's a real good bet The best is yet to come The best is yet to come Won't that be fine? You'd think you've seen the sun But you ain't seen it shine Wait till the warm-up's underway Wait till our lips have met Wait till you see that sunshine day You ain't seen nothing yet The best is yet to come Won't that be just fine The best is yet to come Come the day you're mine Come the day you're mine I'm gonna teach you to fly We've only tasted the wine We're gonna drain that cup dry Wait till I draw you near Wait till you see that sunshine plays In other like it here The best is yet to come Won't that be so fine? The best is yet to come Come the day you're mine Come the day You're mine mm -hmm. Thank you for listening to River City 360. Nolan and Robert here with you this morning, and we're now joined in studio by Rick Frost. He's the CEO of the Winnipeg Foundation, friend of the show, been here before. Great to be here. Thanks for joining us again. You bet. We appreciate it. So we're here to talk about uh, 2016, basically. It's, the, it's our first show of 2017, but we wanted to bring you in to talk about the Winnipeg Foundation's recent uh, annual report and uh, a little bit about the numbers and a little bit about the perspective that you can bring to the table when it comes to the fact that you've been here at the foundation for 20 is this 20 years or um, I'm, I'm in my 20th year that's well, right congratulations first of all that's quite the milestone um, but before we get into the numbers we have some numbers to talk about 36 31.6 million distributed to the community 5,726 gifts received 11.25 percent return on investment but the first number I want to talk about is 20 20 years what what does that feel like when you when you're kind of looking back on on uh, things so far in, in 2017. Well, the foundation's changed a lot in that in that time frame. Um, the foundation had a fabulous reputation when I came here. Um, very strong board, strong reputation for grant making, uh, very generous donors, uh, and that sort of thing. But we were much, much smaller. A little more um, modest, eh? Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, it was much smaller operation. And um, so over the last 20 years, we've seen a tremendous amount of growth thanks to the, the generosity of, of Winnipeggers who have supported our work and a lot of staff leadership and board leadership um, trying to um, 
you know, put the foundation into a more proactive stance and that sort of thing uh, with a lot of programs that we've advanced and, and that sort of thing. So it's changed a lot over the time, but, you know, it's all based on the generosity of Winnipegers and the strength of our endowment funds. And so that's, I think, the, the key. Could you have ever imagined this level or was this always your vision or what was, how has, how has your opinion changed of things over the years? Well, certainly I, um, I could never have imagined this. I mean, the, the idea that we're granting $31.6 million out to the community this year is a huge number. When I started, the number was more like $4.5 million. Wow. So it's a, like it's a, it's a, it's a, uh, it's a very dramatic change. And, and the good thing is as we look to the future, it's, it's going to get bigger because mm-hmm. of the nature of how our spending policies work and that sort of thing. So. So, you know, we've put ourselves on a really good trajectory, trajectory and path. And could have I envisaged it? No. Um, I remember uh, way back, uh, you know, 15 years ago, we were looking for some office space. And and I was looking at could we buy a small building, you know, in the downtown someplace where the foundation might be able to set up its staff. And the building we bought would have been way too small, right. you know, because the vision you can see now from where we are here uh, out into the next 20 years, you can easily see where this organization is going. And it's, uh, um, it's very exciting for sure. Because even in the past few years, it's been sort of growth at a, at a level that I think, I mean, when I talk about 11.25 return on investment, that's kind of, I'm not a big numbers guy per se, but talk about that number in the context of like why that seems impressive to me when you, when you're putting that much investment or you're putting money into the, the markets, getting that much back is kind of unheard of or tell me about the context. Well, it's a really good number for sure. And I think the more impressive point is that it's for five years. We're over 11% for five years on average. And being that consistent is even more of a challenge. Being consistent is, you know, really important, especially coming out of 2008, because in 2008, as everybody knows, the markets took a real dive. And we lost some money for sure, as did any, any, any organization. Our board did not cut our grants, which I think is a really lead, a major leadership move where they said, you know, our, yeah, we've lost some money, but we're not going to reduce our grants to the community. So that was a sort of a high risk kind of decision, but one that said, you know, we're here, the endowments are here to sustain and, and that sort of thing. So we lived through that. Um, 2011 was also not a great year, but in the last five years, our averages, I th- to 11.8% or some, some number like that, a little bit better than the 11.25 on average. So you take that number and you know that, you know, if you're granting out, say, 4.5% a year, which is the model, you're really banking, you know, 5 6% every year. Um, and that just pushes the asset base up. And if you know how assets kind of work, uh, once the assets get bigger, the grants get bigger. And, and so it's just, it's a slow process. But $31.6 million is the output, and I think that's a pretty telling statement. So what compared to last year, what are we talking? That's, that's an increase of $3.9 million from okay. last year. So mm-hmm. in the year and, that was, and last year was an increase of about $4 million from the year before. So in the last two years, it's a jump of close to $8 million approximately. And you mentioned earlier, the, the, obviously, it's the importance of the donors. And so 5,726 gifts received, that's just specific people giving no. gifts to the foundation or how some people give more than one gift in a year oh, okay. and we count all gifts equally right. um so if you give a hundred dollars for a memorial fund or a scholarship fund an existing fund you put a hundred dollars in that's a gift um if you made a you know a, a much larger gift you started a fund maybe with twenty thousand dollars or something like that that's a gift so if, you know in uh, we, our our philosophy here is that every gift matters every gift it's the giving that matters more than the size of the gift 
Um, but in total, when you add all those gifts up, it came to over $37 million. Right. So it's a very generous amount of money that's been given to the foundation. It speaks to the community in, in Winnipeg and in Manitoba and how generous people are because I believe the um, the Fraser Institute's generosity index just came out and, and um, what, Manitoba was on top as well this year Always, again? Yeah, it's been on top for the last, well, since I've been watching those numbers and so like 15, 20 years or whatever, um, you know, Manitoba always comes out on the top of that 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 report, and you know, Manitobans are very generous. I mean, we live in a in a community. I think if we don't support the community, we know that we're not going to have certain things, right. and uh, and as a result, that's what you see. And I understand that there are some unique events coming up next week that people that the public can just kind of join in and, and learn a bit more about the foundation. So tell me a little bit about that. Absolutely, we're going to be in the movie theaters uh, every morning next week, or on four mornings at least, right, right around the city. We're going to be in Grant Park and Saint Vitale and Polo Park and out in Transcona. Um, basically, we're trying to um, just make ourselves more accessible. If people do have questions about what the foundation does and how we do it. We don't expect that we're going to have a movie theater full right. of people or anything like that because we've done this in the past. And normally you get 10 or 15 people coming out and they're kind of interested in, you know, what's going on at the foundation. Um, but if people are interested and they want to ask questions, um, we'll be telling them a little bit about, um, you know, what's gone on in the past year and where the foundation's going. And, and it's an opportunity just basically to ask questions. And just so a it's face-to-face a, it's kind a of face-to-face a kind of opportunity cool. and it's a... Uh, of course, copies of the annual report will be available. Awesome. We also changed grant guidelines a bit, and so some grant grantee organizations may wish to come because the guideline, new guideline documents and that sort of thing will be there. So it's it's, it's that sort of opportunity. Um, and we also have some other specially tailored uh, breakfast meetings and that sort of thing set up over the course of the next two weeks. Fantastic. So if you want more information about these sessions or if you have any questions about the Winnipeg Foundation, you can call uh, their offices at 204-944-9474 or check the website at WPG fdn.org. Rick Frost, thank you very much for talking to us today. Great to be here. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks, Nolan. And thank you again to Rick Frost, CEO of the Winnipeg Foundation, for speaking with us today. That's some wonderful news and very glad to hear about all of the records that were broken and the milestones that were achieved in 2016. Coming up next, we've got a conversation from a special report brought to us by CJNU's very own Adam Glynn. Adam is the brand new station manager here at CJNU, and he was in attendance at the Winnipeg Foundation's annual report celebration as well, held at the Royal Aviation Museum of Western Canada. Adam spoke with the museum's CEO, Helen Halliday, and we will bring you their conversation in full right after this quick musical break. Seeing as how the annual report celebration took place, as we mentioned, at the Royal Aviation Museum of Western Canada, we're going to play some music that keeps in the theme with flying and aviation. So we've decided to spin Count Basie's Come Fly With Me right here on River City 360.
Welcome back to River City 360. Robert and Nolan here with you this morning. Now, before the break, we mentioned we were bringing you coverage from the Winnipeg Foundation's annual report celebration at the Royal Aviation Museum of Western Canada. And CJNU station manager Adam Glynn also was kind enough to share with us his conversation with the museum's CEO, Helen Halliday. And so here is their conversation right here on River City 360. You're listening to CJNU 93.7 FM. I'm Adam Glynn, coming to you from the Royal Aviation Museum of Western Canada. And joining me now is Helen Halliday, President and CEO of the museum. Helen, how are you? I'm very good, and actually the way you say royal is just so suiting. Well, thank you. I come by it honestly, as they say. So we're here tonight for a very special event from the Winnipeg Foundation. They were celebrating their annual celebration, looking back at 2016 and the great year that they've had. And of course, they made a rather large announcement on behalf of yourself tonight. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so uh, we have actually been partners with the Winnipeg Foundation over the years and they have been very supportive to uh, our work here in the existing museum and actually bringing aircraft to this location, etc. So um, the community grant program, uh, we are just so excited that the consideration was given and reviewed for our new vision for a build uh, on the International Airport campus and that they have seen our vision as one that they want to support and did so at a great sum today. That's fantastic. $600,000 of investment is going to be coming your way. It must be a remarkable feeling for you. Yes, and actually I am, I am fairly new to my role, so the thing is, is I have to say it's very exciting when you hear an announcement such as today and with such an or, a leading organization in our city uh, and province. So uh, we're just delighted. It, it, it actually takes us over a halfway mark, uh, so it's a milestone today for us on a tremendous year for the Winnipeg Foundation, which we congratulate them for being so successful and that we're part of that granting to make those special numbers. Earlier this evening when you were talking in front of the crowd here you mentioned the fact that you've reached just over 20 million dollars in funding now for your project. Tell us a little bit about the project itself, what you're looking to do and how you're going to develop it. Okay, well um, with this burgeoning aerospace industry that's here, uh, we are actually a tenant of the location that we are in currently and uh, there will be new um, thoughts for this area so we actually have to find a new home. So uh, we've had uh, previous homes when we were a very small group of restoration uh, leaders that were doing that so we've been here uh, since 1984 and now we need to move. So we have um, uh, in partnership with the uh, airport authority Authority. We have an absolutely fantastic location that they have uh, provided uh, and have, have sourced out for us. So uh, when you uh, come to Winnipeg and come around the corner after you've come, come away from the airport or travelers, anyone coming to the city, they are going to, as soon as they come around the corner, they're going to see this beautiful purpose-built museum uh, that will house our collection and you know there will be future members of our collection or we'll be changing out our collection um, but uh, honestly uh, the plans for it are extraordinary and we're so excited. So when do you forecast that the build will be complete and you'll be in your new home? 
Okay. Well, as if we are as successful as Winnipeg Foundation last year has been successful, uh, we uh, do plan to be shovels in the ground. You will see a site location confirmation uh, that everyone will know where it's going. And uh, by fall, you, you, we want to see you seeing activity of what's happening in that location. Fantastic. Helen Halliday, thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks, Adam, and thank you to Helen and everyone on her team for hosting the celebration earlier this week. Uh, as you may or may not know, the full English breakfast with Adam Glynn is going to be uh, airing right after River City 360 and every week after River City 360. So stay tuned for that to hear Adam and his fantastically silky smooth uh, British accent and wonderful, uh, wonderful morning show coming up right after us here on River City 360. Coming up next, our Vital Signs report for this week is on Rob Nash. Rob is a rock star who is using his story and music to inspire young people all across Canada, even walking away from his band's record deal to do so. Rob Nash joins us on the program right after the break. But first, here's We Can Fly by Cow Sills, right here on River City 360. Fluffy clouds move by us. See how the clouds move by. See how the morning mist can hide us away. Hide us away. And now it's so much fun. What? Isn't it groovy in a daydream? Doesn't the day seem like it could never end? And so, my friend, we're Beside me we can Beside me we can Throughout the next year on River City 360, we'll be bringing you stories connected to the themes of Winnipeg's Vital Signs 2017, a program led by the Winnipeg Foundation that measures the vitality of our community through research and surveys. For more information, visit wpgfdn.org slash vital signs. Welcome back to River City 360. Robert and Nolan here with you this morning. 
Rob Nash has made many breakthroughs with his music, touring with some of the biggest names in the Canadian rock music scene and releasing top 10 singles, but the most important ones came after he tore up his record deal. In 2007, Rob started the Rob Nash Project, which tours schools, First Nations communities, detention centers, and other venues, sharing positive messages and hope through music and storytelling. I had the chance to speak with Rob back in December when he was performing at Nelson McIntyre Collegiate, so here is my conversation with Rob Nash. Rob, thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, it's good to be here. It's good to be alive. At age 17, you were involved in a very major accident that nearly took your life. Could you speak to what happened and how that became the catalyst for your new perspective on life? Sure. Well, yeah, I was 17. Um, typical 17-year-old feeling indestructible. Me and my buddies went for a joyride, and we were hit by a semi head-on, and I came more than just close to death. I was actually found with no pulse, not breathing. My parents got the call. They said, we're sorry your son was killed today, and we're bringing his body to the hospital. And um, as you can tell from my voice, I came back to life. I woke up from my coma. I didn't know who I was or my parents. They had to rebuild my, my skull and my chest with metal. And um, I, But I'm going to be honest with you. Some people say, like, well, so did you wake up enlightened, wanting to change the world? And that's not the case at all. I actually woke up very bitter, very angry. I didn't want to be alive for about a year and a half uh, as I lay there trying to figure out the big reason that it happened to me because everyone told me that everything happens for a reason. And then I realized, you know what? Yeah, things happen for a reason, and the reason that we were hit by that semi-truck is because we were going too fast on an icy road. Like, stuff happens sometimes, and so I don't think things happen... For, I don't think bad things happen for a reason, but I do think they happen with potential. My accident had the potential to leave me angry and bitter for the rest of my life, or there was a potential I could try to turn my story around, try to help others with it, but it's not automatic. So that was it. I wanted to tell my story so other people wouldn't have to die like I did before they started to live. So I started this group. I never wanted to be a musician. That was my worst mark in school, but I knew that would be a good way to tell a story. So I started this band, got our record deal on the fourth album, top ten hits on the radio, and then we ripped up our record deal a few years ago to do this tour through prisons, youth detention centers, native reserves, and schools, telling my story and we've seen some crazy breakthroughs. And so what was that transition like? Because you walked away from that record deal. What was the transition like from your music specifically to starting to spread this message to young people? Well, the goal always was to use music to tell a story, you know. So when that's your original motivation, you're just waiting for that opportunity. You know, Bono from U2 said it well, like, music is and fame is currency, and you can spend it on whatever you want. So some people look at me and they think, wow, it's so sacrificial that you ripped up a record deal to do this tour, because by the way, when you rip up a record deal, you don't have a dollar. You just owe people money. So I'm massively in debt, and we don't charge for this tour. So everyone thought we were crazy, but I'll tell you what, this transition has been beautiful. I wouldn't t go back for a second. You know, the difference between playing in front of you know, massive crowds every day and just having people jumping around or looking into the eyes of a young student that's handing you their suicide note that's having a breakthrough right in front of you, that stuff is not just success, but it's significant. And sig significance you know, is a whole lot more fulfilling than success. And what do you think it is about what you do and performing music? Why do you think that that resonates with young people so much? Well, A, we do things very different. We tell stories and play music. And because we've got, you know, music, that's such a great communication tool. People are so interested in, in 
being entertained while there used to be some pretty lame presentations at school you know we do some we we play a rock show for them but we tell the stories and you know I've never had anyone walk up and say wow Rob like I got hit by a semi like you and I have a metal head <laughs> no one's ever said that to me but kids walk up and they say wow this guy's been through something tough so have I he's talking about it maybe so should I he got help maybe so should I and I think that's why people are responding because we're willing to get up on stage be vulnerable tell our stories let people know that it's okay to feel weak sometimes and let other people in there might be a young person who sees the presentation and is going through a difficult time and they're inspired by seeing your performance but at the same time they might be going back into say a bad family situation what sort of resources are out there for kids who are still dealing with those tough times after your presentation yeah. a we we're here to let people they're not alone and let people know it's okay to talk then we let people there know that there are resources out there we work very closely with the schools for months in advance where we we are sending emails and videos on how to prep to make sure everybody's ready for when we come there sometimes schools bring in extra social workers or extra counselors so they can follow up with those kids after we leave if we get any information if we get handed a suicide note and we've been handed 611 suicide notes on this tour um, when they hand that, we make sure the staff see it and they make sure that that student can get follow-up and, and get the help that they need to keep going. And at the end of every show, when we hand out our music on free download cards, you know, we let them know, like, guys, if you're ever going through a tough day, this poster, this download card that we're going to give you, we put a phone number on the back to kids' help phone, and you can call anytime, 24-7, for all the stuff that we talk about today. And... There's something we do to legitimize those types of things. We let people know it's okay to reach out and get help. Even the teachers that are around, you know, the teachers usually don't become teachers because they want to be rich. <laughs> they do it because they want to help young people. And um, we let people reconsider that, that it's not at a school. It's not the staff versus the students. You can find staff in your school, not all of them, but you'll find ones that actually have a heart. And even if you're going through something tough at home, there's places, there's resources, there's things you can reach out to to get help. But we're not ignorant either. We let people know, like, just because we're singing for you today doesn't mean your life is going to be fluffy. You're going to have more bad days. We're just letting you know that if you look for pain when you wake up in the morning, that's all you're going to find. But if you wake up in the morning looking for strength, looking for hope, looking for help, that's what you'll find. It's all about focus on what you want to see. And if you want to find resiliency, that's what we try to show them through our show. When we come back, I'll talk more with Rob about the impact that his his music and storytelling has had on the lives of young people. But before we get to that, we're going to play a song by Rob Nash. Here's Transition, right here on River City 360. I can see your face Just like I used to And that's 
Welcome back to River City 360. Robert and Nolan here with you this morning, and we are continuing my conversation with Rob Nash. This past summer, you had more than 100 names tattooed on your arm. Could you speak to the significance of that? Sure. Yeah, like I said before, we've been handed 611 suicide notes from our shows, and seeing these kids have breakthroughs and meeting them five years later where they still you know, are, are thriving in their life, they've realized that their life has purpose and somebody out there needs their story. And so many of these students tattoo the words of our songs on their arms where they used to cut or that we used to insert their needles. And when I saw them all tattooing our lyrics on their arms, that meant so much to me. And I thought, if I mean that much to them, I want to show them that they mean that much to me as well. So yeah, I had my. I took all the signatures from those first suicide notes we were given. I covered my entire right arm. I let the students know I'm not going to continue to do it. But I just remember what that felt like. I had those thoughts after my accident. For a year and a half, I kept it inside. I didn't talk to anyone about it. None of my friends knew, none of my family. And I know what that feels like alone. And I want to be able to show students after our shows, look at these signatures on my arm. You think you're alone, but these are all people that once had the same thoughts that you're having right now, and they're still here, and they're conquering the world around them. Have there been any songs that you've written that have been inspired by the presentations you've done or some of the young people you've met? All of the songs that we play are written, sometimes even together with the students that we've met on this tour. Today we'll be playing songs of a young girl, one girl we met in lockdown. We played a show for five young girls in lockdown. We told them, you guys have a gift, somebody needs your story, and this one girl shared that she loves to play music, she loves to write. So we came back a month later, we surprised her, and we set up a portable studio in lockdown, recorded the song that she wrote, (laughs) produced it, made it sound beautiful. On May 9th, she turned 18, she was released, and she asked if she could stay to help teach and mentor the younger girls that were still in lockdown. And because of that decision, we recently did a show in her hometown at the Calgary Saddle Dome, free show, 22,000 students. We brought her up on stage, she performed with us. And we'll share her, her story today, and people will just sit there and go like, wow. That girl was once suicidal, laying down on train tracks in Calgary, and she's still here. So literally, we've built this tour. First of all, the shows are built off of what the staff are telling us. Rob, we've heard of how you impact kids. Can you talk about drinking and driving? Can you talk about suicide? Can you talk about mental health? Can you talk about bullying? Can you talk about addictions? So we cover a lot of ground, but we've literally built these songs based on the stories that we've heard from talking to 985,000 students on this tour. How do you think the conversation about topics like these, like suicide and mental health, is going in Canada, and how can Canadians continue to move that forward? Well, we're just scratching the surface. I'm glad that it's being talked about, but it's still, we see it every day that people are still keeping it inside. I did. The thing is, there's there's a stigma that doesn't just go with the person that feels suicidal or has mental health issues. You know, it's it goes with the whole family because everybody starts going oh you know what's wrong with that family oh that kid must be a drug addict oh that's not always the case this is some of the most bright talented kids that we've seen you know and sometimes you're just going through something tough and we need to get to a place where people can be comfortable with getting help because if your heart starts to fail you you go and get help and the whole world all your friends and family comes around you and they're like we're here for you we'll take care of you we're going to walk with you through this but That's when your heart fails you. When your brain starts to fail you and you have mental illness, the whole world runs the other way. (laughs) They don't know what to say, what to do. And so nobody knows. We just got to embrace people that have sickness, you know. What are your hopes for the Rob Nash Project going forward? 
you know, we just want to continue to be able to impact as many people as we can. We want to, we've been bringing a lot of young artists on tour with us to show them how they can use music to impact lots of people. Um, starting on January 25th, True North is helping us out, you know, letting us have the uh, Burton Cummings Theatre where they're going to, and we're working together with some superintendents who are just going to bring in all the schools. So we want to continue to be able to help people, inspire people, and get them talking, get a conversation started about whatever they're dealing with. And we love seeing how schools and, and cities are willing to work together with us to make that happen. That's really great. Rob, thank you so much for sharing your incredible story with us. It's really good to be alive. <laughs> and if you'd like to learn more about the Rob Nash Project, you can visit robnash, that's R-O-B-B-N-A-S-H, dot com. Stay tuned to River City 360 throughout the year for more stories connected to Winnipeg's Vital Signs 2017, a program led by the Winnipeg Foundation that measures the vitality of our community through research and surveys. For more information about Vital Signs, visit wpgfdn.org slash vital signs. Thanks, Robert. And thank you again to Rob Nash for speaking with us and for all the great work that you do. Uh, and now, the next segment in our series, Promising Projects, where we hear from members of the Community Grants team at the Winnipeg Foundation, and they've been telling us about some of their favorite upcoming projects and the charitable organizations doing amazing work here in Winnipeg. Today, we'll be hearing from Carrie Ryan. She's a grants associate at the Winnipeg Foundation. She's going to be telling us about the project that she's decided to shine a little bit more light on. So without further ado, here's the next installment in our Promising Project series right here on River City 360. My name is Carrie Ryan, I'm a Community Grants Associate at the Winnipeg Foundation and today I'd like to talk about Can You Canada. Can You is a really cool program, it's an after school mentorship program for youth in Winnipeg. Um, starts at grade 5, goes right through to grade 12 and it's a great opportunity for kids to um, learn about career opportunities, to expand their education and to meet some really inspiring mentors. CANU is an after-school mentorship program in Winnipeg and its goal is to inspire hope and confidence in Winnipeg youth. It works with about 500 kids that are participating in the program this year. They represent 40 schools across the city and they are working one-on-one -on -one and in small groups with mentors to learn about various career and education opportunities. Most of these kids that are participating um, would be the first ones in their families to go on to university if they choose to do so. Um, it's a program that has huge community involvement. It's a really great example of a strong community program. There's about 500 people that volunteer with the program as mentors. Most of them are university students or faculty members at the university. Um, their executive director, who works 30 hours a week, is a volunteer. They've got huge community partnerships with schools, with other youth groups, and so it's a really great example of a community coming together to support kids and their educational opportunities. One of the really neat things about the program is that kids can start as early as grade five and stick with it through until grade 12. So they're really building some strong relationships with the people that are involved in the program, um, with faculty members, with um, university students who are maybe just a few years older than they are. Um, but it really gives them a good sense of some of the career options that are available to them and gives them a reason to stay in school and things to work towards.
Thank you to Carrie Ryan, Community Grants Associate at the Winnipeg Foundation, for sharing your promising project with us here on River City 360. Coming up after the break, Noah Ehrenberg is on his way into the studio. This week we're going to be talking about what makes Community News Commons the fantastic citizen journalism project that it is. He'll tell us about some of the wonderful stories being posted on CNC by some great citizen journalists here in our city. And also about how you can get involved in Community News Commons. It's not just limited to when training sessions are offered, which they are typically offered twice a year, but you can become a part of CNC anytime. So Noah will tell us a little bit more about that as well. But before Noah gets into the studio here, we're keeping with our aviation theme. Here's Bob McMullen with Flying Home right here on River City 360. Welcome back to River City 360. Nolan and Robert here with you this morning, and we're now joined in studio, as we are almost every week, by Noah Ehrenberg. He's the convener of Community News Commons. Noah, thank you for joining us. Hey, great uh, to be here. Happy New Year. I'm glad to see you again. It's been a while since you've been on the show. We had a couple uh, weeks of mm. uh, the best of 2016 River City 360 version. So how was, uh, how was your time off, and how was, uh, how was your 2017 treating you so far? Well, I think it's pretty good. You know, the weather's a little rough, but, yeah. uh, you know, oh I goodness. was able to get outside a lot uh, during the uh, Christmas and uh, New Year's break there. So good. I put on the snowshoes. Perfect. Uh, uh, you know, face the weather and 
was, uh, you know, walk the dogs. That's great. Mm -hmm. That's a good time. So uh, speaking of 2017, a lot of people uh, sort of kick off the new year with resolutions. And I understand there's a really interesting sort of way that uh, some citizen journalists are reporting how they're approaching the the fabled New Year's resolution. Tell me a little bit about that. For sure. Uh, Citizen reporter Hella Wilson, uh, she... Uh, has a um, a tradition. Uh, her friends and uh, and Hella, what they do is they choose a word to live by uh, when it comes to the so, upcoming year. So, what's the word they chose? Well, last year uh, the word that they chose was openness. Okay. Okay. So, so just um, be more open to ideas. Well, and concepts yeah, and challenging herself to become more outgoing. And the question was, you know, how could I improve? How could I be a much more open person cool. to the, you know, to the opportunities that present themselves? That's or, kind of a cool way to do it, especially bringing in your friends because they can hold each other accountable, and you can kind of discuss, like, you know, I had this moment where I normally would have been closed off to an experience, but exactly. because of our discussion, I'm more open to it. Exactly. Well, what's this year's then? Well, this year, the word that Hella Wilson and her friends. Chose shows is listen uh, and that's okay. because they want to become better listeners and really pay attention to other people and their messages and also listen to her heart uh, you know what does she really enjoy doing what inspires her how can she make a positive impact in her community mm. so the whole idea behind choosing a particular word to live by uh, for the upcoming year is sort of to focus your efforts so that you can improve something in a positive way in your life. Yeah, and, and it's uh, not just like, I'm going to go to the gym more or exactly, I'm going to walk more. You exactly. Know, it's, it's something that can be, it's a little more higher level than, than just the typical uh, New Year's right. resolution. That's yeah, cool. Yeah, it, it certainly had me thinking about um, different types of yeah. uh, resolutions. And so I thought about the word to live by and I was thinking gratitude. Gratitude. I yeah, like that. Yeah. I that like that a lot. Be, how about you? What type of word would what you What word be? would I choose? Um, hockey. <laughs> yeah, hat trick. <laughs> Try to just That's two words, man. <laughs> oh, is it okay? Yeah, yeah. Maybe. Uh, let me think about that. For but you a... can check out that article by Hella Wilson uh, on uh, communitynewscommons.org. Maybe uh, leave a comment. What 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 would your word be? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I would cool encourage to people to. Uh, there was a lot of good response on Facebook to cool. that, uh, and awesome. so it's uh, it's called New Year's resolution. It's all in your chosen word. Very cool. Yeah, it's great. Well, switching gears a little bit, I understand a friend of the show, Fred Morris, who's been on River City 360 mm-hmm. and who is an avid. Uh, citizen journalist for Community News Commons, wrote an interesting article about employment insurance that really got me thinking, but tell Mm -hmm. our listeners about it. Well, uh, the name of Fred's article is called When Employment Insurance Becomes Employment Tax. And essentially, uh, Fred talked about his own experience, that in early 2015, he was unable to work for five weeks because of some uh, medical issues. And um, he was denied employment insurance because he had just received his first uh, Canada Pension Plan check. And um, even though he had paid into employment insurance mm-hmm. for 32 years without receiving a claim, um, basically, and his you know income, his monthly income had uh, declined by 75%, he still wasn't able to claim. And that was because he was getting a CPP check. And there's other stipula- right. there's other reasons why people are denied employment insurance claims. And um, that sort of prompted Fred to look at the history of employment insurance and to figure out, well, why was it started and how has it changed? And it's really fascinating because, um, you know, you get a sense that um, here's this amount of money that both uh, employer and employee contribute to. It gets, you know, put into this large uh, pot of, of money in uh, in the federal government, and it's supposed to be there for the working Canadian when they need it. Yet, um 
almost 60%, if not more, of Canadians will never use those right. employment insurance benefits. And they, uh, at some point uh, in the history, you'll have to read the article, but at some point they were used to pay down the debt. They weren't used to, oh. um, you know, to give back to workers. Jeez. And so uh, Fred is really, um, you know, in his article, he really kind of takes a look at why the EI fund was set up in the first place and how it, in his view, has been uh, really taken in another direction and that you can see $57 billion, billion dollars in wow. his estimation, that has actually been uh, taken from that moved fund into and, a different and, moved huh. and basically gone into general see, revenues. You, you never know what you're going to find on community <laughs> news comments, know. right? Like, yeah. That's so Fred Morris, you know, he's a grandfather. He's worked for 50 years. Uh, he's still working today. And uh, he's a great writer. And uh, he loves to look at things like this. And um, that yeah. too, uh, that piece also got a lot of nice response uh, on the site and on Facebook. So check well. it out and give uh, give Fred a comment as well. Mm-hmm. On the communitynewscommons.org. You can read that article and many more. Um, and if you want to write articles right. or do some multimedia journalism, by all means, go to communitynewscommons.org and uh, um, uh, register, and um, and uh, you can start writing, and I will help you as an editor. And of course, this year, we're going to have um, more of our community sessions, you know, our uh, learning our learning sessions, uh, our workshops, uh, multimedia workshops. They'll start in the spring. Uh, we will actually be meeting every Thursday, or not every Thursday, sorry, last Thursday of every month. Okay. So uh, January the 26th will be the first meeting. Oh, it's already starting? It will start cool. this month, uh, January, and we'll meet um, here at the uh, Winnipeg Foundation on the 13th floor at 5.45 p.m. Great. Uh, we'll be sending out a note to everybody who's registered to the site. So anybody that wants to show up, this is basically a general meeting that uh, where citizen reporters get together, talk about stories, talk about ideas, um, and uh, if there's any issues that they have with regards to the technology or uh, to different styles of reporting, uh, we can certainly talk about it then. And then in addition to that, we'll be doing our spring and fall uh, training sessions. So So a lot's coming up in 2017 by the sounds of it. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. In fact, uh, you know, we've got a nice little mechanism here called Community News Commons that is this citizen journalism project that's nonprofit, non-commercial. It's uh, collaborative, cooperative. It's, uh, It's a really great way for people to build their capacity as communicators. You get free help. You own the material that you publish. And um, it's, a, it's a good way to convene community and to, uh, and to talk about stories that are meaningful to our citizens. It's win, win, win across the I board. I think so. Yes, I, indeed. I think my word is growth. I've been growth. thinking about it. Yeah, just personal and professional growth. Ah, there you go. That's so, a good one. So go on communitynewscommons.org, <laughs> sign up, and you too can grow just as I intend to in 2017. <laughs> you can grow your journalism skills, grow your storytelling skills, and, right uh, and just in general. I like it. So, Noah, at the end of our time together, uh, I've asked you to bring us something that maybe we haven't heard before, typically something that's local or Mm -hmm. anything that our listeners might find interesting. So what have you got for us this week? Well, I always bring something local, but you may have heard of this band before because they are pretty good. And uh, they are called the Dirty Catfish Brass Band. Oh, yeah. And uh, they did, uh, they were here to ring in the new year over at the Park Theatre, I believe it was. There was a sold out um, New Year's Eve performance there and they had been celebrating their fifth birthday. Uh, So they've been around for five years. It's as long as CNC has been around. Perfect. And um, if you didn't get a chance to see them over at at the Park Theatre on New Year's Eve, you will have a chance to see them uh, in February at uh, Times Change. Oh, nice. Uh, They are starting a new concert series over at Times Change. It's called 
the Southern Social Club, and it will take place on the first Friday of every month, starting in uh, February. Uh, there's going to be an early show and a late show, paired with Southern Cooking and a different wow. opening act every month. That sounds and, great. Uh, so if you like the Dirty Catfish Brass Band, that is really a great place to be. Um, there's Stay tuned for more details about that initiative coming up. They're also going to be in Brandon for two nights at the Western Manitoba Centennial Auditorium, opening for the Shuffle Demons in March. So you can uh, check them out uh, over in Brandon. And speaking of Brandon, uh, I have a recording uh, from Brandon of the Dirty Catfish Brass Band. Uh, they recorded this at the Loft in Brandon. And so I want to feature this band because I really like them, and I think you will too. Uh, this is a tune called Feats Can't Fail Me Now. I'm Noah Ehrenberg, and you're listening to River City 360 with Robert Zirk and Nolan Bicknell on 93.7 CJNU. That's it for River City 360. Thank you so much for listening, and a huge thank you to all of our guests for talking to us today. 
If you'd like to hear more views and news from around Winnipeg, listen to any of our past episodes, or subscribe to our podcast, please visit us online. The address is rivercity360.org. Again, that's rivercity360.org. River City 360, views and news from around Winnipeg, is a project of the Winnipeg Foundation in partnership with CJNU 93.7 FM. And we love hearing feedback from our listeners. Please give us a call. Our number is 204-944-9474, extension 360. We'd love to hear what you have to say about today's show, or if you'd like to request a song for a future show, or suggest a topic that we should cover here on the show or an event that we should cover, we'd be happy to hear it. Give us a call again. Our number is 204-944-9474, extension 360. We're also on Twitter and Facebook. On the interwebs, you can search at RiverCity360 on Twitter or RiverCity360 on Facebook as well. I'm Nolan Bicknell signing off for RiverCity360. And I'm Robert Zirk. Thank you again so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Have a great Sunday. Have a great Sunday.